Hey guys, welcome to Wellness once again. Um, we are super happy to have a super special guest on today. I'm going to let Lydia do the intro though, because she's Lydia's bud. Well, she's my bud as well, but Lydia's bud from ages. Yeah, so today we have Katie Sanderson, a wonder food maker. And yeah, Katie has been my friend for since I was 21. Oh, no longer, no, way longer. Since we were maybe like 11 or something like that was wow. our family's first, first met. And at that stage, Katie is lucky to be five years younger than me. So at that stage, we, there was a little bit of a difference in our ages. Um, but as we got older, that divide just kind of closed. And there are so many things now that we have in common. But I've known Katie since she was first coming into that food journey yeah. and all the wonderful things that she's done since and she's also my son's godmother so she's a super special person in my life but she's also super special for loads of people around Dublin and Ireland who have been to her little pop-up events and who are now addicted to her white mouse so I'm actually not really joking. No, not joking. Like people I are mean like, you know probably from selling it to them as well at markets but like people who come through our shop through the half second like I, I haven't really felt the the sort of level of like it, it's yours and it's scale scale bread. Those are the two things that yeah. people like, and people bring them away. Like the amount of evangelism that goes on, I've never seen food evangelism happen on that level. Like our peanut butter used to be the thing. Forget it. Like the like the ride that we go. Oh, what, like you're getting six of them now? Are you, are you having a party? Like oh, I'm going to Canada and I've got cousins in. Blah, blah, blah. And they're literally getting yeah. armfuls. <laughs> I mean, I'm taking them away. Like oh, I'm I'm going to visit friends down in Kerry. And I was like, do they not have food in their house? Because they'll be bringing like six loaves of scale miso sesame and then like five jars of this. You know, it's mad. Yeah. It's, a, it's people, amazing. People actually like, yeah, they have, they talk about it like crack. I mean, it's like an addiction. Yeah. They can't yeah. Stop. Well, people actually write crack all over their Instagram posts when they talk yeah, about it. Yeah. yeah. I got so addicted to it that I now actually can't eat it because I made myself allergic to it. <laughs> really? <laughs> that that right. actually happened. I ate so much of my body just started going, no, no. Cannot have break. So I'm going to break. Oh my God, wow. Yeah, I'm going to break. I'm going to say you're like you're somewhat maybe easy to overcook on things. So for most people that won't happen. You're fine. <laughs> that's true. Fingers I'm sensitive. Yeah. Smidge, sense of constitution. Delicate. That's me. Yeah. We got a really interesting email recently that the headline was just, "I'm in an intimate relationship," and I was like, <laughs> "What is this email? Like, I was like, it must be a wrong thing." And it, you open it up and it was like, I'm in an intimate relationship with your peanut rate and I really need a bigger jar. We're really involved with each other. <laughs> people, the way they talk about it, it's really cool. Like, like it's amazing. Cool. Like a, noir, a romance noir novel. Or yeah, a, yeah. And that, there's a few people that have kind of done that. They kind of talk about it as if they, you know. They anyway. love it. They love it. But it's great, yeah, but like to kind of, to have a little idea and then to kind of follow it through and then for it to kind of have that kind of a impact, it's, it's deadly, yeah. And tell yeah. just for if there's anyone listening who hasn't yet got addicted, tell us about where it came from, where you got the idea from and what, what it contains for people who've never tasted. Yeah, so tell me to stop if I start blubbering. But no. um, so th the kind of main thing was is that I've been working for years, um, kind of doing these projects, little projects, and, and the way that I work is that I get really into something like really into fermentation or really into seaweed, and then I kind of explore it for a while, and then I kind of like move on to the next thing. And I love to work like that because it just keeps me always kind of like excited, mm -hmm. like a kid, you know. Mm -hmm. um, but there's a negative. Um, impact on that and that it means that like nothing's really kind of sustainably working or okay. like, making money yeah, yeah and yeah, um, yeah. so it was kind of like a few years ago I was like okay something has to change here because like everything's like a three-month project or a six-month project mm -hmm. 
and I loved all of the projects, so my heart was feeling really good. Yeah. But I was like, I'm working so hard, I don't have any savings. Like, how can I kind of switch mm -hmm. that round, but also kind of still be true to maintain that creativity? Yeah, and kind of like not kind of sell out. You know, like that's always been my thing. Is like I don't want to sell out. You know, like, you know, Sander Katz. Yeah. Of course, you know Sander so Dervla Reynolds, uh, who's another fermentation enthusiast, writer, expert lady, she was dropping him to the airport in Dublin uh, a few months ago and he gave her the most amazing soundbite. It's like it's kind of too much because it sort of kills me because I'm in business. But he said, you know, Dervla production is the death of passion. And you're like, damn, that's kind of what it is. Maintaining that little juice for yourself, that like the creative and the spark is there, whilst having something consistently going, mm. is so difficult to get right, isn't yeah. it? Yeah, yeah. So so totally yeah and i i'm right at the start of that so that's a really good like point to kind of try and keep there mm -hmm. but um i guess the the kind of big plan for me was to like was there something that i can do that can kind of like work and not stop and kind of like maybe work without you totally in it all the time mm -hmm. um and so that you can kind of do other things that make your heart feel good mm -hmm. but there's also something kind of working alongside that um and so the source was kind of started with that vision okay. um, and yeah and and this the peanut ray that's kind of yeah the peanut ray that's the kind of star of the kind of source range at the moment um, that was a source that I've been making for years and everyone would just always say like what is this like we need this so, <laughs> so it was kind of a bit of a no-brainer it was like okay. just jar it and kind of sell it and it you know it does sometimes feel like to me like you know it's just like loads and loads and loads of jars of the same thing but um, Jasper, my partner, who's actually running the business like amazingly at the moment, he's kind of taken over all the production and everything. He pointed out a really cool thing to me the other day um, where he kind of said, like, I was always kind of talking about, like, oh, I'm the creative one and I'm the one that makes the kind of ideas. Um, and then I kind of need to move on and do the next thing. And he was like, well, you need to move on. But somebody else creative needs to come in and use their creativity to make the systems work. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah so, like, yeah. just creativity isn't just the making of the source. Yeah. Mm. Creativity, like, he's putting, like, I used to have to, like, I, it used to take me like four days to make 200 jars. I'd be like writing emails in the middle, stopping, taking phone calls, procrastinating over here, going to the shops to get lunch. Like, just like, I'm not very, like, linear in my approach. Yeah, yeah. And he's come along and he's got, like, a team and they're all really efficient and they do it really well. And that's creativity, too. Absolutely. So yeah. it's like, yeah. Kind so of. it's not that it's devoid. It's not like the yeah. process is just now the absence of creativity and it's a machine that's going along. There's still that element of creativity that's growing into making all of the different jobs. Totally, so it's yeah. its own little entity of creativity, but it also yeah. gives you that freedom yeah. to go off and do the other stuff, really. Totally, yeah. yeah. And what's yeah. in it? Um, Roughly it's speaking. Peanut, sesame, chili, garlic, crispy garlic, um, sunflower oil, tamari, and some honey. So All the best things. Yeah, so it's like sweet, salty, yeah. kind of put it on everything, and it, and it works. And yeah. What's your favorite thing to put it on? Um, probably rice or peas like yeah. I, some like peas before that was even kind of came along one of my kind of like chef dinners always like after a busy day would just be like a bag of frozen like obviously cook the frozen peas but just peas with olive oil black pepper and salt it's just like my mm. ultimate comfort food mm. too, totally. I, think I just we love have, it so I think much. we have this serious bond over peas <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah we're always like she love peas I love peas yeah yeah okay great peas yeah yeah everything. yeah like sometimes I like when I'm really busy in work and stuff I'd sometimes eat them like three times a week and I'd just be like yeah Wow. Yeah, I love them. Yum. So good. So that, so that just quickly put on top okay. of them. Yeah, yeah. Nice. yeah. Absolutely. For me, it's like avocado, avocado toast. Yeah, like I make this porridge bread thing. It's 
so I'd have the oat bread with avocados on the top and that. Mm. So My favourite thing, which is kind of weird, everyone's like, really? It works, but it actually does work. And it's like, it, it's kind of almost chef dinner, it's too, super simple, like late supper. It's scale piece of sesame bread and big lathering bar peanut butter from the shop, rye on top, sliced cucumbers and radish sprouts. And it's because it gets peppery, it's got a bit of crunch, it's a little bit, the cucumbers are a bit cooling because everything yeah. else is quite fatty and quite yeah, unctuous yeah, and stuff. Yeah, yeah. But it's I'm like, it's heaven. I'm like, I'll put, I'll kind of go, okay, I'm going to take two slices and put them on the grill because there's a lot in that, I'll be fine. Yeah. And then as I'm eating the first, I'm already going, oh, there's yeah. like four there's, more slices going <laughs> yeah. under the grill. Yeah, but Scale Bakery Red does that to you. <sighs> like, we brought like, a, you know, like one of the, we they sell those big loaves and we bought, I think we bought like 24 hours ago and the thing's nearly three quarters gone. Like, it's just, yeah. I was looking at it. Just kind of wander back to it every now and then, just have a little yeah, slice. Oh, I was a little bit with butter, and now I have a little bit with jam. And yeah. They're magicians. They are yeah, 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 yeah. They're amazing. We're going to be talking to them as well some stage. Yeah. Like the end of the month, I think. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. So I wanted to talk a little bit also about like looking at your journey to get to where you are now, all the different projects you've done, and how did you even maybe let's go back to where how did you identify that food was a thing that was a passion for you? Like, what age were you, and what are your first memories around that? Um, really young, actually. Like. Um, there's some really kind of interesting like video footage of me when I was really young with my brother and that kind of Fisher Price, you know, mm -hmm. the mm -hmm. Fisher Price the one that everyone, that everyone had. But I just loved it. Like I took to it like a duck to water, mm -hmm. and like I just used to play on it all the time. Um, and yeah, like I think it was the kind of idea that I could just kind of mix it up, kind of like I guess like an artist, you know, just mm -hmm. like putting the you know the stuff in the thing and the pots in the water and everything. And then um, as I was growing up. Um, I think it was Saturday night, became like naughty night because we had our dinner on a picnic rug. It was so weird. <laughs> That's brilliant. I don't know, like an, Anything goes. Yeah, yeah, like so naughty. No, I think it came from we had summers in Connemara and we'd have picnic lunches and then it was kind of like a, okay. a way of kind yeah, of like yeah, reliving yeah, yeah. that in Hong Kong, like with skyscrapers all around you. Oh, wow. So we had picnic dinner on the Oh, that makes a lot rug. of sense actually then. But at one point I took over and I was able to go to the shop with some money and buy whatever I wanted and cook it for everyone for dinner. Okay. And they all had to kind of go like, hmm, uh, yeah. What, what age are we talking like? Like young, like, like seven, seven eight, eight. Oh, like, okay. yeah. But, and like it wasn't like I was buying like, you know, deep fried pizza things that I like put in the oven and then I'd like put some extra cheese on yeah, top yeah, and yeah. stuff. But I was still, what it was is I think what the feeling was is that mm -hmm. like it was a place where I was being given space mm -hmm. and I was giving freedom. Mm -hmm. And I found school really difficult and really dyslexic. Okay, okay. So like someone just being like, you're free to do what you want to do. And like, there's no boundaries. I was just like, ah, this is amazing. Wow. Maybe like making cake. You could shine. Totally, yeah. yeah. Yeah, without being like, oh, it's really hard to be dyslexic in school. Like, I'm dyslexic too, but I think it's a different, we have it yeah. in quite different ways. So school wasn't really a challenge for me in most ways, but in certain situations like exams, my spelling would just disappear once as soon as I was put under time yeah. pressure. And it's a really hard feeling where you, there's an expectation on you to meet a certain thing, and mm. then you're constantly falling short of that, and there's mm. that disappointment, and you're thinking like, Am I stupid? Like, what? What's wrong with me that I'm yeah. not able to do this? And to be able to give them that freedom to have an area which is your, it's your stage that you can just like go and do oh, your stuff. Much, yeah. yeah. And was it was was Hong Kong school tough in that way? Was it a tougher? In, like, were they like were you in an expat type school or what? What's yeah, it? I was in an expat type school, and I think the the main reason why um, my parents decided to kind of bring me to school in Ireland for secondary was because I would have got lost in a kind of 2,000 people school in Hong Kong. Oh. So primary wasn't so 
yeah. you know, it was it was grand, but I think that secondary, it was good that I kind of got sent. And, and did you have, like, did you display, like, were your parents like, oh, she's going to be good at art? Like, was that a thing as well? Did, did, was it obvious, was there a visual creative sense there that was being um, expressed early as well or not? No, I don't, I don't, I don't know about that, but I think that it was very obvious from, like, kind of early on. I think it was more, um, I think it was more like kind of auditory stuff, you know, like the, where I think it's called auditory processing, you know, like where my parents would kind of be like, Katie, can you go upstairs? Can you get this thing? It's in the right side of the bed. And I just get to the top of the stairs and I'd be like, what? No yeah. way. Okay. And, and so it's like, you can't take loads of like direction. kind of direction in a row. And what that's all it? that school is. Mm -hmm. Yes. It's like, you yeah. know, it's like, can you do this? And then you got to do the sum and then you got to do that. They're, like, they're not explaining everything. Yeah, like, uh, so you're like, uh, I'm can you please go again? Yeah. Two, yeah. And even in secondary school, they'd be like, Katie, can you stop asking questions? Really? You know, yeah. Because oh, they'd just be like, not all the time, but just sometimes, you know, you need to forget. And, yeah, 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 yeah. and even thing. now, like in, you know, in relationships with friends and with, you know, family and stuff, people are like, what? Like, you know, you know like, I just explained I just it said, to you. Yeah, and you're yeah. like, I was like, oh, but I only actually understood half of it. Yeah. <laughs> okay, well, but that's great. like, we have this thing that people learn in all these different ways. And there's like yeah. auditory learners then there's visual learners, and then there's experiential based learners, and then there's another whole thing, but those are the main three. And so, like you're saying, that's the main problem, I think, with our school system. It's only based around people who are able to take their instructions, mm. either by reading, that can also be a large part of it, or by listening. But the people who need experiential based learning, they're just being left by the wayside. They're just yeah. left. And so people like you who are going, that's really challenging for me. You're not able to flourish in that environment because you're constantly being held back and impeded. All the time. Mm. So, did you? When did like so cooking as a, not a career? I don't do. Do you treat cooking as a career? Is career a word in your head or not? Um. Yeah, like career. It sounds a little bit more serious or something. But like it's it's all like it's 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 all. Food is all I've done since yeah. I finished school, and I didn't go yeah. to college or anything. So like right. it's the guts of twenty-one years. Wow. So. Oh, wait, when when did you start? When did you twenty-one? Kind of get no. No, 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 I wasn't 10. <laughs> 11. 11 years? Yeah. Yeah, okay, so I was, no, like, I was like 17 when I went to Ballymaloo, and okay. I'm 30 ah. now. So, so that was my first, my 18, question. Yeah, 30, 30. 13 years. 13 years. Third Fantastic. time lucky. We were all really good at math. Uh, yeah, exactly, we all. Excellent. I was like 20 um, years, I was like, that sounds like way too much. <laughs> You're like, hang on, I've been doing I've been really uh, but so when when was the first kind of time that you realized that maybe you wanted to cook to make money or to like that, that food was going to be uh, like an actual more than just a passion and, and more than a picnic rug on the floor in Hong Kong? And yeah, um, well, I went to Ballymaloo straight out of school when I was kind of 17. And then probably after that, I did like a Christmas. I was kind of like cooking deep fried spring rolls for there's loads of deep fried stuff coming up, but um, <laughs> for the Christmas um, pantomime. Um, and then I went out to Kenya and I did some work out there kind of with food and stuff. And wow. I don't think I kind of said like, oh, I'm, I'm going to make food my my kind of my career. But I okay. think what for me, well, what kind of stands out as like a kind of turning point is that after I, I kind of get confused with dates, obviously, but like with um, after <laughs> about like four or five years, I think I had kind of been doing like catering and working for a family as a private chef and I'd done all these kind of jobs and I was like okay no I need to I'd just been to India I just got back I kind of started to get into yoga and started to realize that there was this like really big correlation between what you put into your body and how you felt mm. and I, I was like oh there's there's loads more stuff like mm. what's going on and I was like I need to switch or move or something needs to kind of happen and so 
um, I quit the job with kind of working privately and I went and I did a raw food course. And from that moment on, it was like, okay, now I'm on to something. Mm. And that and was I kind remember, of like, I have such a clear memory yeah. of where we were when we were having the conversation where you were trying to decide whether to go do that raw food course or not. And you were like, I, I think I really want to, not really sure. I kind of think it's the next big thing. Like, I remember you kind of going, I think this is where this is headed. I think that there's a massive niche in the market for this. And I think this is really exciting. But you were also like, Ooh, it's kind of a big, it almost felt like when you were taking that step, you were making a choice, like you were at a crossroads and you were going, if I go this way, this is the way, this is going to lead me onto this next stage. And it's kind of hard to make that, that yeah. choice. I remember it so clearly. And yeah. then you went off and it was like, it really was that. It yeah, it was really, it changed everything yeah. from, from, from there. Did, and okay, that was your first kind of step away from mainstream food ideas? Mainstream food, yeah. 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 Okay. And that was, I, I, like at the time, it's really hard to even kind of, and, and I guess for you it feels different because of running the hop sack and stuff for um, so many years. But like, for me at the time, like, I didn't know that you could milk a nush. Like, mm. yeah, yeah, yeah. And, like nobody I knew, like you know, like not that many people knew that there was nut milk. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah, I knew yeah. soya, yeah, but I didn't know nut milk, and I didn't know that it was like nuts and water equals nut milk. And I think loads of people that kind of, like the first time you figure that out, you're like, whoa. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but um, when I went and I did that raw food course, it wasn't like I was really into raw food. I just, I just was kind of. You know, I was like, I, I'm interested in the way that food's making me feel, and I'm interested in the kind of like, you know, like I've got this job where I cook for people, and what if, what if, what if I'm cooking stuff for them that's bad for them, and mm. you know, like, sometimes I do that, and that's fine, but I just, there was something interesting there, and when I went to do that course, and it was in the middle of Oklahoma in America. Mm -hmm. And even the guy I remember um, in the airport, he was like, "You're going to Oklahoma for a raw food course?" I was like. <laughs> Yeah, I know, it doesn't really sound like it. <laughs> in Congress. But yeah, um, but like, yeah, milking nuts and making these cashew sauces and making like ice creams, which were like made out of like coconut flesh. And it was like somebody had opened like this box into wow. this like room where I thought that like there was like this kind of area of food and that like, you know, I didn't know anything about Mexican food and mm. stuff like that. But there was like, I didn't realize that there was like all this other space World over here. types of production things. Yeah, so, yeah, and like like this whole kind of area. And I was really glad that I picked that course that I did because I looked at loads and there was loads that were really based on like kind of health, which of course, when it comes to raw food, that's, a, you know, an angle that people are kind of coming from. Mm. But this one was also kind of based on like, it felt like color and expression mm. and oh, art. Everything was so beautiful so beautiful and like nice. when like it's a Matthew Kenny course and when you look at like any of the kind of schools work it's just it's so beautiful and mm -hmm. so what it did is it made me really excited about it and 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 halfway through the course I was kind of confused because I was like I'd been eating I'd been eating the kind of raw and it's not it's not just vegan it's raw vegan so it's like mm -hmm. you know no dairy no nuts no anything but also nothing cooked to a 42 degrees and I felt amazing and I was like oh, am I raw vegan now and then I was kind of confused <laughs> Like, how am I going to work that? And it's I came back to Ireland and it just didn't feel possible. Right. But, but what I did feel was that I was like, I can incorporate what I've learned here and mix it in with everything mm -hmm. else. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. That was really exciting. Yeah. Okay. So as opposed to like coming at it from a pure health standpoint, it was more like infusing it into what you currently have and just kind of adding it to the pot of other food ideas that you had sort of thing. Totally. And so I, I went to one of your really early living dinners and that's, I want to swear, it's ages ago. Like yeah. it's actually ages yeah. ago. It's, it's like ten. Is it maybe ten years? Is it, could it be ten years? No, no. We've got all our timelines. Okay, so, so, yeah. so how long ago did you start doing living dinners? Yeah, so I think living dinners was like maybe 
the first one might have been like six or seven years ago. No, mm. it's longer. Because I because I was coming to them, but I hadn't had roots yet. Um, and, and that was five. Five. Yeah. So.
kind of crazy kind of moves. And anyway, I was doing this thing and I was kind of going for it. I had so much energy at the time, but I also needed something else. And Emily, my friend, had kind of suggested that I go into the Fumbly and this restaurant, this cafe had just opened up and they were just doing eggs and avocado, or no, eggs and falafel at the time. Mm -hmm. And um, I went in and they had a show coming called This Is How, like a band called This Is How We Fly, amazing band. And mm -hmm. they wanted someone to do the food. And because it's like This How We Fly and there's like a tap dance and stuff, they were like, let's do raw food. So I was like, cool. And I did it. And then Ash was like, do you want to work here? And I was like, no, no, I'm too busy. And Ash has had like the most amazing persuasive powers. And like, <laughs> like a week later, I had two shifts. And then like two weeks later, I was working there full time. <laughs> it's also an amazing place to work. Yeah. But similarly, what the Fumbly did was that same giddiness I was talking about when I was younger and they let me into the kitchen and they were just like, you're free. That was, that's what working in the Fumbly is mm. like. Because they have this really interesting system where they don't have like a kind of head chef. Everybody's just kind of equal in this way. And you go in and you can kind of be creative and there's, there's a little bit of structure there. But within that, you can kind of, you can kind of do, do what you want. And mm. so like when you have that kind of like fizzy feeling yeah. it's an amazing amazing mm -hmm. place to be and so. there was all these people and they were all into food and Ash and Luca and everyone that worked there at the time we just were all like eating and drinking wine and it was just it was such a magic magic time yeah it's um, quite nice, I mean what, what the kernel of the family and the other things that it spawned is yeah and like so I worked there with Shane from scale yeah. Keith um, Keith, who worked at FIA and now is just doing all the most amazing food everywhere. Yeah. Um, who else? Like Rossa and Nadia at the yeah. time, who started Almhurst. Um, oh my God, there were so well. many of yeah. us. Like, um, it's great. It's lovely to see what's come out of it, and it's, I think it's a really, it's, it's, it's a new generation of Irish food, and it's a new. I think it, what's nice is it, 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 Ireland's food culture is really being fed by it, like in yeah. a huge way, much more of a profound way than I think people realise now. I think it's one of the things we'll really look back on. I think you're aware of it because you're in it. But I think for a lot of people outside that bubble, in 10 or 15 or 20 years' time, they'll be looking back as a, and it'll be a marker, it'll be a waypoint in Irish food culture, I genuinely feel. Yeah, and because the, it was like the first time that there was like a super cool kind of hip cafe that wasn't like trendy, trendy. It was like just kind of organically cool and like everyone was in there and the food was really good, but it was also based around health. And since then, now there's quite a lot of cafes that are springing up that mm. have their own vibe that are kind of mm. but there was none yeah. Yeah. then. But I, I think that's a really good point that it, it's it's not, you know, some people sometimes kind of would say that, I don't know, they they think that it's like other cafes and it's not like it's, it's superficial it's, or whatever. Yeah. It's, it's mm. the opposite. Like it's it's just like the most authentic. Yeah. And and yeah, I totally agree with you. It's like things that happen in the fumbly you know, you start to see kind of a ripple effect mm. everywhere else. And like the fermentation of the drink, you, you brought in the drinks, right? Yeah. And so, what, so, oh, cool. so that was, so I was working the fumbly and then I kind of got itchy feet <laughs> and, uh, what, three weeks? <laughs> yeah, a few months and I was like, okay, off I go, I'm going to the States. Um, and I went off and I did, I worked in this amazing place called Bar Tartine and they fermented everything that moved, like everything. So there was like cabbages and, you know, cucumbers and they made all these fermented drinks. And it was that similarly to when I kind of found out about raw food, I was like, oh my God, there's another world. Yeah. Like, what is this world now? It's exciting. You know, the door. Yeah, like, yeah. That, like, whoa. Yeah. And then you go to this store and they're making all this food and you're like, this food tastes like nothing I've tasted before. And there'd be like some raw aspects. But then there was, yeah. And um, 
Courtney, who kind of would do lots of the fermentation there, she's just this, yeah, she, another magician, like all these magicians. But um, I was just like, we need to take this and we need to bring it back. And I know at the time, Ash and Luca were talking about getting rid of all the, like, kind of like shop brought drinks. And I was like, okay, can I, can I show you what I learned oh, over there? Okay. And so they were like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> no, they were like, okay, cool. They were like, why don't you live in the stables, which is like the, the room, you know, they have, they own the stables beside the fumbly, and you can live upstairs and you can kind of basically be like a resident and kind of come up with a drinks menu. And so I had like an amazing few months where I just got to like similar, I got the freedom. Mm. And I think that when that happens to me, I get really buzzy and yeah. I can kind of that's me yeah, that's, yeah that's I love that and yeah. so they just gave me space and freedom and there wasn't any kind of like restrictions and we just went for it and I think within a few weeks we had taken all of the shop brought drinks off the shelves and we would started putting in kefir kombucha we were doing juices at the time and um, we had a kind of few other ones that we were trying some kind of shrubs and stuff but the kefirs and the kombuchas now like they've been going I think coming on maybe our timeline's all wrong but like five years or something yes, it feels like that. but at the time we definitely I, there might have been one or two places somewhere else but as far as we knew we were the only people in ireland with like a kind of fridge full of fermented mm -hmm. drinks and now you can go Literally, go everywhere. everywhere like it's yeah like yeah. um oh no laura from dublin kombucha yeah, she, she was doing her kombuchas oh, in the bottle DBKB. I DBKB. Went to the launch that yeah and like oh my god yeah that was an exciting so she was so. doing hers but we there was no cafes who were making their no, own no no and not. so so like you know like little things like that and same then we put, you know instead of they used to do the avocado on toast with kind of tomatoes and we decided to do it with like red cabbage and um at the time i was kind of helping them out with that as well and so you know like little things like that and now like sure like i had such a small part to play in it because now there's you know been other people doing it for years and years and they're amazing at doing it and they're coming up with all these cool flavors yeah it's really but um but it's also i feel like it inspires other people to yeah. do to do something similar I think, like, I think the most one of the most honorable things you can do in that situation as well because i think kind of like with your ryu how you kind of have to like hand your baby over a little bit yeah. uh, to be able to kind of like say okay well I started this thing and to know that you're a starter of things as opposed to somebody who just continues on yeah. and to allow somebody else to you know, take it on and give free reign and kind of let go of it and not be precious about it is, quite, yeah. is, is, a, is a big thing a lot of people don't don't have the ability to do that I'm yeah saying. but I feel like if it's not your own place and you know like it like yeah like Luca would always say like okay do you start you know you started <laughs> Go on. You, you, say, <laughs> you know but but I also feel like it was kind of all of us because you know like I was the person who was kind of doing lots of the things in the kit but we were all like trying it and tasting it and we they were eager for change and I came along at the right moment so it is like a it's a symbiotic thing and um and and they're the people that have like it's like I call somebody like it's a base camp you know and like I'm really lucky that like I don't really so far in my life haven't kind of wanted a base camp so yeah. so I can kind of like go away learn things and then kind of be like can I come back and can that's you know cool. that's a lovely feeling yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Community. and then after that um it was the seaweed stuff right so was it that afterwards so, or was it the hair uh, I did the hair, yeah, yeah. No, hair I think the hair was before, yeah. Yeah. Yes. yeah, the hair was before. Yes. Um, so that was a vegetarian cafe done with Fiona, like Fiona Hamlin, an amazing artist. 
Um, and that was really cool. We were in Temple Bar Gallery opposite McDonald's. Yeah. And we were doing all these like kind of mad vegetable plates with kind of like courgette and everything mm. kind of coming out everywhere. And, and similarly, there weren't that many places in Dublin at the time kind of making colourful vegetarian food. No. And especially like opposite McDonald's. You know? yeah. And it was in the most beautiful space. Yeah, yeah. It was like the antithesis to yeah, McDonald's. Yeah. Yeah. It was like there was this space, there was a light, there was loads of glass, there was loads of space. Everyone was sitting on communal tables. Yeah. And then they were enjoying this food that was like literally nourishing their soul and their body and their eyes. Like every yeah. part of it, and then every, then opposite was McDonald's. It was just such a funny dichotomy. Yeah, yeah. yeah right. it was so and so one of the things, so with all of the things you do, uh, we get to do this in a second. So I think this is kind of last part. Maybe gets to particularly uh, like to explore this. You you always, and this is what they talk about in Bartatine as well. That we're makers, not cooks. Mm. And one of the things we were talking about briefly before he talked before he got on, I'm reading um, Michael Pollan's cooks moment, and he talks about this mageros, this like ancient Greek term for anybody who was a butcher, a cook, a uh, hunter, uh, like a, a fisherman, anybody who was involved in that chain of, of making something that was once not food into something that's food that you put in your mouth, uh, I think is a, a really interesting kind of way to kind of term it. And I think we were before and we were asking like how to introduce him, you was like, well, it's not really chef, because I haven't really chefed in a while. And like, how, how, like, how do you feel about um, being part of that chain, like, how do you feel about what's the like, what's the the, the, the meaning behind, like, what's the added meaning behind coming from a chef to being a maker, like, I suppose, or being a being a cook, or being like, what, like, how does it define you, and do you, how does it, what does it mean as part of who you are, you know, like, yeah, I, for for me, I think, um, where's the magic? Yeah, I th see the thing I think is that like the reason why I do these kind of projects that are kind of small and then. And, and and kind of have the feeling that you were talking about really mm. kindly, that kind of buzzy feeling, is I think that it's not just about the food. Mm. There's like kind of more mm. to it, you know? So like with the hair, um, you know, you were kind of in this space and you were opposite here and you're kind of doing something kind of new as well, mm. you know? Um, I, I think really it's a really tough question. I think it's, is, is it, is it because it's more, like for me sometimes I feel like it's, like other things apart from the food are so important to me, like yeah. the way that it feels, like for Dillis, like the fact that you have to drive down mm -hmm. to Connemara, like there's like a journey, you know, um, yeah. and like for living dinners in like Henrietta Street, there's some, you know, amazing old buildings and you're kind of taking people on a journey and it's about the experience mm -hmm. as opposed to just about the food. Yeah. And the food, you know the food ho like hopefully is really good as well mm. um but the food for me comes from a good place when i feel like there's kind of like more to it than just the food so if that makes sense yeah, totally. also, yeah, yeah i just feel like um also for you it doesn't start with the food it starts like before the food like where does the food come from how do you what could you do with the food first like what's happening with the food first yeah and then there's that creativity of the experience like the bubble of the experience coming and then the food comes within that as the star of it but it's not like starting with the food on the plate yeah and maybe that's the thing maybe when you're eating like you are just eating food but maybe you're kind of taking in that kind of so how important do you think it is that people who are eating your food know exactly about where it's coming from how, how much do you think provenance matters to the point where you have to educate people and buy them not let's not say let's not make it negative already but like you know when people are sitting there eating food and you've taken all that care you've harvested that morning maybe minutes beforehand or you've been fermenting something for months beforehand and 
and there's a whole origin story for you behind it, how much do you feel when people are eating your food that it matters that they know about that? I think it matters more to me. Yeah, it's interesting. Isn't it? I think that like it's cool if they know, and I always have like you know leaflets or things or like look at this amazing farmer and stuff. But at the end of the day, if nobody looks at that, it's 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 me. Okay. Yeah. So like I know if I've done like I you know made my own salt mm. and I'm sprinkling that on top of the thing. That excitement mm. that I feel doing that yeah, yeah, yeah. is what then That's you're putting you. out. Yeah, yeah. exactly that. Yeah. And I think I think for for me like knowing you as a friend, I think. The thing about when we're, when we're thinking about you and your cooking and all this stuff is that really what you are is an artist, but you're not someone who sits down necessarily and paints mm. or, or, you know, sews stuff or crochets stuff or whatever. So you never really, like in the time that I've known you, you've never said to me, well, what I really am is an artist. <laughs> but that artistry is is built around it's it's the architecture of it is around food and these experiences that you curate and that's your expression for your creativity and I think knowing you you can't exist when there's not this bubble of creativity and when it's taken away from you your light naturally just fades out so when mm. that time comes for you to stand into your power and to get that expression and that magic it's all born from creativity and what what the thing is that you're creating and then the cooking is the thing that enables you to do that. Do you know yeah. what I mean? You should so answer questions for me. Yeah. <laughs> Cooking that was cool. So yeah. you about your friend Katie. <laughs> yeah. What is she? <laughs> yeah. So Yeah, no, that that is totally well, yeah, you're right, like I wouldn't really say that I'm an artist, but I definitely feel like the yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what it I mean sometimes it, you need someone close to you though to say to see the thing. You know, it's hard to say that stuff about yourself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. People would yeah, ask me questions about myself. I think I'd be like, Ugh, I just don't know. <laughs> Let me show you. Yeah. <laughs> you know, uh, but I even remember having conversations with you. Like me and Katie, um, when we were about, I want to say 25, well, I was 25, Katie was like 12. Um, we, <laughs> we, were sitting, <laughs> we were sitting at the, the kitchen table and we were always trying to think up projects. Right? Yeah. that we were going to do together because we're both people who are really creative but neither of us is like arty the leg right, right 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 <laughs> so <laughs> I've always worked with kids and Katie's done a good bit of work with kids but we I don't know how, I actually don't know how we came up with the idea but we decided we wanted to write a kids book and we were really going to do it though like I mean we were really, is this, but we had a cooking one on our, uh, yeah. yeah so we kind of wanted to do a kids book that had a story but then also had like recipes in it cool. so it would be like fun for kids that they were reading the story but then the recipes naturally occurred in the story, kind of like a roll dial thing. Still you know? done, do it. Right. And um, so we came up with this char these characters, and the book was going to be called Little Egg and Rainbow Foot. Cool. And Little Egg was an egg with feet and hands, and we like moved around. And then Rainbow Foot was this girl who wore like striped stocking, rainbow coloured stockings all the way up her legs, and just magic happened when they went on adventures together. And we would sit around the kitchen table and think up the adventures of Little Egg and Rainbow cool. Foot. And, yeah, yeah. I, I still hope we do something like that. Again. Oh, you should. Yeah. That's a great Yeah, thing. now I guess Especially being a mum as well, um, being on that kind of path as well, like people are like, are you going to do baby food? And I'm like, no, no, I'm not going to do baby food. <laughs> well, yeah, I'm going to make my baby eat adult food. Yeah, 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 totally. But, um, but yeah, maybe something like that may, would make more sense, kind of having now kind of being on that journey a bit as well. And understanding what it means to them. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And we'll come back to that, but yeah. let's, do, let's talk, because it would be a shame not to talk about Dillis. Yeah, so your yeah. next palette was like, the sea was the west yeah. coast right yeah yeah so that was amazing that was like that kind of sparked from um so when i worked in the fumbly i um, i was working alongside jasper mm -hmm. um and we were getting on really well and started dreaming up you know kind of like 
you know, let's go to the West and kind of start this thing. And then it was like, wait, what, what? before we knew it, we were kind of going out. And then we started this project together. And um, we decided to do it down in Connemara. And um, it was like, yeah, it was probably one of the, the projects I'm most proud of just because it was really, really connected to the land. Mm. And that was really cool. And what it did as well for me is it's made me be a lot more picky with my work and kind of check again it's been a very kind of like it's been like one of those like clinks in the road where you're like okay because now I find it very difficult to work I find it more difficult not very but I find it more difficult to work in Dublin and kind of just do like one you know catering dinner or something mm. because when you're doing like a project like Dillisk and you're like shrimping like 10 minutes before gas come or like picking mm. pollock up from the fisherman or like going to get cockles or like foraging for the seaweed you're just it's always there you know and kind of going into a kitchen and being like can I please have this and can I please have this and can I please have this like so it's synthetic all of a sudden yeah well and it's yeah. like I, I respect so many chefs in, in Dublin and there's so many people doing really amazing stuff but for me it would just started to feel like oh my god I really miss that thing you know mm. and so I think I'm kind of now on this like journey back to like how can I do that like mm. can I start growing or can I do I need to move back there or how do I kind of work that out because the West is calling but again yeah, you made it, the space was so fascinating as well yeah so so the space was um, a shed and I kind of went off in a tangent again again no. okay um, but the the shed was like um, right beside the sea and like loads of people said it's like on the edge of the world um, and so one of the dreams I've always had is that you have a kitchen with a view to sea and it had we turned a donkey shed into our kitchen <laughs> much to the disgust of the HSC um, uh, and um, and uh, and we had a big window looking out to sea and it was just amazing because mm. the whole thing of bringing people on a journey really was that like people kind of had to travel though some people came from Clifton and stuff but mainly people kind of traveled and they came to the west and they came to the space that was really really special to both of us you know um and we had all these friends come down and people building compostable loos and people coming to do the tables yeah. and people coming to help to make everything and it was another moment where you just realized like oh my god i've got all these amazing people around me this mm -hmm. amazing community and from that space then you 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 know you create something and the thing that you created was just people were reacting it reacting to it in such a way and you know I know people who like made friends like mm. similarly to what you're saying like made friends at the dinner table down there and some of the nights we had where like guests came at six and they wouldn't leave <laughs> they left like 4 a.m. and stuff you know like just like because they couldn't leave like you know the little the little thing. I remember when you were planning it and we were talking about it and I think I was pregnant probably yeah um so I really wanted to come but I couldn't because of where I was at um and you were like, okay, we're gonna put the tickets on sale, but it's like in this boat shed, like at the edge of the world, like a million miles from anywhere. So people will literally have to be coming just for dinner here, yeah. and nothing else. And we were kind of like, is, it, is anyone gonna buy the tickets? Like, how is yeah. it just gonna be your friends? And they still have like the opposite. I couldn't like, get they just it. So well, quick. it wasn't actually quite that. So what? Okay. So so yeah, lots of people like, you know, some people in my family and stuff. They would be like, Katie. Fair enough in Dublin, but like no one's going to come to Connemara to a shed <laughs> yeah. to eat dinner, you know, like, um, but what happened was, is we put the tickets up and we just put like, like five nights or six nights up. And the first weekend, like lots of people that like, who kind of like supported other things like the hair mm. and living dinners and stuff, they all came that weekend. 
and we didn't sell the kind of five nights out or whatever but they it, it booked with quite a lot of people that that had kind of come to other stuff but after that first weekend the word of mouth was so strong that they all sold out then that's interesting yeah. for the you know the kind of five mm. or five or six five or six and then we put the rest of the summer on sale and they sold out in like a day and a half I, I remember but no I what was amazing was then the second year yeah we sold them out in three hours the whole of the second oh, year. year or like one and a half something That's crazy insane. and and I think it was so also exciting. the fact that you kind of like left at one year so the pressure was on then with the first year you didn't even know what it was yeah yeah, yeah. and there's no expectation yeah mm. but you also like you learn loads between one year and the next I'm but sure. um yeah, it was. It was an amazing. It was an amazing project. So give us an idea of what was going on in menus. Yeah, tell us about the Because I, I actually, I'm salivating already. Cause I, I know a little bit of it, but like. Um, I think I remember more from the second year, just because I kind of put, like I really we decided not to change it as much the second year, and I mm. I loved that menu. But so Jasper and um, his friend Nico, they 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 built a tandoor, so we out of an old chimney flue, um, and um, so we tested it. Got up to like something like I don't know loads of low really high temperature but we used to pick up the pollock from the fishermen so like you'd go and it was always the stress every night we always got fish we never once oh maybe once we didn't get it but we always got fish but we'd always stress like kind of because the boats came in at five or six and our guests came in at seven whoa and so like we'd have to teach people how to like kind of like um got fish on the fly yeah 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 and like but they also needed to be done kind of well and stuff you know so, yes. so what would generally happen is someone would go get the fish they'd be like filleting outside as the guests are arriving um and then so we'd put it in with a marinade which we made with like all stuff that was there so like fennel seed fennel fronds like kind of garlicky stuff from our garden mm. and then um they'd be skewered onto this big stick and cooked in in the tandoor and the thing which was great about it is that sometimes they'd come out and they were like perfect they're like black on the top mm. amazing really cooked on the outside and then just like so yeah yeah just like so well and you'd only put them in for a few minutes like it was no cooking time at all yeah. but then every so often like the tandoor wouldn't be hot enough and you'd get one and it'd come out and the skin would be soft and the whole thing would just like it would taste good yeah. but it wouldn't be like quite as good and you just kind of have to let go you know mm. because if you're cooking man. like that mm. like the good has to come with the kind of like oh damn that one's not that crispy yeah. or black or whatever you know um and how are you with that how much of a perfectionist are you when it comes to stuff like oh i get like oh, yeah I, I don't i i'm saying that now in hindsight having done a yoga teacher training <laughs> but at the time I, yeah yeah because i was like okay what else can i do to kind of help my the first time i did a course that wasn't food related but it helped my food loads you know um but with the yeah so at the time i'd be stressing out and i'd be like oh my god they're gonna hate it but then once everybody's like oh my god amazing then 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 you get used to there's a margin yeah that you're working within i guess whatever. also in those kind of experiences like camping or anything where you're kind of outdoors and you're exposed to the elements you know that there's a certain amount of that give and take yeah yeah yeah. and you kind of love that yeah totally like you do i think people feel involved in the experience as well i think that's the thing when people are just when people are investing in your food particularly i think people know that like there is an there's just going to be something that you're not expecting mm. yeah do you know that like there's there's not a like and a it's set not thing a production you, line yeah it's yeah, like yeah, 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 yeah this yeah. isn't a production line yeah. so you're naturally going to have differences but that's kind of what's really exciting yeah yeah it's, it's not perfect like yeah. you, you wouldn't be you know like there's a lot of places that you can go would be making stuff but yeah flawless. Yeah, yes, yeah yeah flawless yeah, food it was yeah. kind of a, it's a bit more like whoo yeah it's okay like, well, there it is it's, it's, sometimes it works <laughs> sometimes it yeah it's kind of you as well yeah it's not like you're that's why we work as friends because neither of us are these like super polished mm. like uber 
I mean, we're professional, but but we're yeah, not yeah. like. Do you know what I mean? We're yeah, not yeah, yeah. Well, I think that's where a lot of people get the get the joy from your food in. It's it's it, like it's a reflection of a of a, of the human spirit Absolutely. that you're not that you're not getting something that's generic, cultured over you know whatever years to be yeah to be to be somewhat kind of what I ordered and like it's not machine it's mm-hmm. it's human and it's 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 the distinction between those two things I think is mm. what makes I think probably the food experience we get from you pretty special so Dillis just quickly seaweeds what seaweeds did you use oh um, so we we used so we make a um, okay so one of the best things that we did the second year as well was the seaweed ice oh, yeah. so we used to use um, Dillis and we'd make like so in Ireland um, you can use Japanese um, Japanese kombu but the kelp that we get on our shore doesn't get kind of I don't think quite as a, like it doesn't make as a good a dashi as Japanese kombu does but the I find that the di- the dashi that you get from a dillisk a dashi is um, a Japanese cooking stock made with kelp and um, water and sometimes you put um what is the shiitake tuna flakes bonito and, and shiitake and yeah. that kind of stuff in it as well but anyway so we made a dillisk water and at the same time we made a tomato water so you blitz tomatoes you put them through a muslin and what you get through is like clear 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 mm-hmm. water it's not like kind of cloudy like like a okay. or anything it's oh, like man. water it's like but, but it's umami. like umami to the maximum and wow. tastes like tomato like it's like tomatoes and then we mix that dillisk water with the tomato water oh and we God. froze it. And so then like our kind of like, there's a name for that course that's like kind of cold. Not an amuse bouche. Anyway, whatever it's called, that like we kind of had a cold course and we brought that out and we'd serve it kind of like, um, sometimes it had melted by the time the guests got it and then we just pretended that it was supposed to be like that. But most of the time <laughs> it was in a kind of like, kind of like bunch. And then we put like really amazing olive oil on it and pepper dust. And Pepidos is like a tiny seaweed that you find like right on the low shore. So you have to get it at a low tide and it tastes like truffles. So we had like tiny little bits of that on top. Wow. I can send you some pictures to put on them. But the picture that we have is of a very melted one. <laughs> That's okay. But yeah. um, I can send you some pictures of all the Dillis food and then oh, you can put them on so that it makes sense what we're lovely. talking about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Because they're, they're visually, they, they also, yeah, they, they, they look. What did you use for your earthenware, plateware, crockery stuff? Oh, loads of the kind of stuff you can see hanging about, like that plate up there. That guy? Yeah, like that was made by like a local potter. Oh, wowie. Oh, golly, um, that's gorgeous. Yeah. Oh, so Those kind of ones. I actually really regret getting that on because I, I oh, tend to like put food on top of it <laughs> all the time. So it's like obviously I don't really want it there. That's but, um, but yeah, so like we had loads of stuff like that um, and loads of other kind of pottery stuff from over the years that you kind of pick up and bits and bobs and sometimes on boards and okay. you know like yeah. yeah yeah do you do you find that a big part of your cooking that that final part where you're choosing what it's going to go on you're like creating that kind of look the look around yeah totally yeah. it's like if you're going to care you. about like you know if you're going to care about all the bit before <laughs> yeah. it'd be a shame to kind of at the end just put it on anything you yeah. know yeah. um so yeah i definitely i think i kind of always go for kind of like brown like earthy kind of stuff mm, mm. What I like about your stuff is it always involves people, like local producers, like artisan makers, people that you know, people who live here, who are friends. And that's a really nice thing because it's, again, it's drawing on and in that community aspect of stuff, which is so nice. I think that totally adds to the fizziness, you know, like, I think, and I see that with loads of other people when they're doing, you know, like projects and their things and stuff like, 
you feel more excited when you're using like good quality either kind of like wear or napkins or something that comes from mm. other people and you also feel like you're kind of like a team like yeah. super team as opposed yeah. to just kind of going solo you know that's what expects us about this podcast mm. is being able to like draw in all those people that we know that we meet who we're surrounded by who are so amazing and doing all this exciting stuff and being able to go like here everyone should know about these people like yeah. these mm. people exist and they exist in our lives and they're so great but then so many people don't get to share in that or don't know about it yeah. and being able to to go like hey let's talk to this person let's talk to this person yeah and build that little community for people to share in and love mm. that's exciting mm. so people aren't getting to see you as much at the moment mm. yeah you're you've really who's about to turn one year old yeah how has that been, how is it like influencing what you do? I mean, obviously you, you can't juggle what you have been doing and this, but how is it influencing what you're doing now and what you're going to do? Or do you, do you know yet how, how it's kind of, is it taking yeah. shape? How, how mummyhood is going to mm, uh, be alongside your... Yeah, I think it's starting to. I think yeah. it's like, um, you, you obviously like, uh, well, you don't obviously, but I did take the kind of maternity leave. So that was kind of six months um, and then you're kind of like kind of shot back into the world and you're like what like yeah. I'm so different to when I left it and like right. how am I supposed to work this again and I, I I was saying this recently to somebody that I feel like um I don't want to say that it's more hard or less hard or anything like that but I, I definitely found it difficult that I kind of like I'm I'm I guess I'm kind of I work in partnership with White Mouse, but I'm a sole trader and that kind of like I make my own work mm. and so like it wasn't like I kind of went back to work and someone was like okay you know you just sit on this computer and put your yeah. kind of data in or whatever. And it somebody was like, took your maternity leave, you're, you're back. That's yeah cool. you, you have to kind of generate the work and kind of go looking for it and you're in mm. this place where like you're kind of like wrecked. <laughs> yeah. And um, everything's been kind of like and you're like kind of like yeah you're exhausted and you're kind of coming and you're like who am I again and like where do I fit into the world and you're also kind of like trying to tell people like oh yeah I'll do this thing and it, it, they're just kind of that's difficult so really yeah it's really yeah. difficult um mm. I found um some people are they're just able to go at it but and so I kind of tried to go in loads and then I was like oh I need to go slower okay yeah, and so yeah. I'm still doing that okay yeah and yeah. so I'm still at the kind of like going slower and trying to kind of like um figure out how to how to do it all and so yeah. i've had my rice bowl stall which yeah. is kind of a side there's always so many side bits yeah, yeah, yeah. there's a side bit sure. of the peanut ray kind of thing um, and we sell bowls of rice with kind of loads of bits and stuff at festivals and that's been at two three festivals so far this year and there's, there's one coming this weekend and i was asked to go to a few more and i I'm so glad but I just said no and because okay. you know just trying to navigate doing that going into a really intense week of work and then kind of you know having to kind of like get childcare and I, I guess not having like the continued childcare you know mm. like I think that going back and going like okay I'm going to work four days a week um, and, and three days off or whatever but because my work has always been kind of like a little bit here and then really intense and then no and then like working for dances for 11 weeks and then kind of down again um, I'm trying to kind of figure out how do you work that so that's that, yeah, yeah. That's really that. I think that's really it's a, it's a similar thing for me it's sort of slightly less sporadic because there is a, a general rhythm to my weeks but every week is quite different I think it's hard it's so hard for kids because kids really need like well my kids certainly need like routine and consistency mm. and that 
that knowing what's happening. They, they really feel yeah. safe within that. So like you're saying, you know, if they know that every Monday and Tuesday they go to a childminders, that's a thing that's predictable, it's part of their routine. But when it's suddenly like right now you have to go for five days and then now you're not going to go for three weeks and then you're going to go again to this person this day and then this granny this day and then this granny, it's much harder for them and for us to adapt to that, I think. Mm. And that's what makes it hard to try and find a way to make it consistent for them so it doesn't have a negative impact on them and a negative impact on us. Yeah. that naturally draws on, like our both our fields, they're creative. And when you're being, you're at home and you're tired and people are drawing, needing from you, like taking from you and needing from you mm. necessarily all day long. And then you somehow have to also come up with all this like wellspring of creativity on top <laughs> of that. Like, how do I find that yeah. extra creativity to be all that buzziness when really I just want to lie on the couch and like just yeah, be silent yeah, yeah. and no one talking to me or demanding anything from me at all? Yeah. It's really hard to balance those things, I find. It's really hard, yeah. I think I've been saying to people recently, is like, I kind of feel like a swan. You know, that like mm. on the top, everyone's like, oh, you just go like, just cool. Yeah, hate like. And underneath you're just like, yeah. yeah, like just kind of like, am I, am I drowning? Am yeah. I okay? Am I, am I making this work? You know? Yeah. yeah. And how do you find now that he's on solids? How did you find that transition to like making food for him and him experiencing food? And yeah, did you become like the person who was just making one thousand million things and storing them in freezers and doing all this stuff? No, like I thought that it was going to be this really easy thing for me. But I was like thinking about it so much. I was like, why is this so <laughs> difficult? Because you know? nobody you're going to think about feeding more than your child. You've been, all you've done all your life is think about feeding people for a long time. Yeah, but I think it's because maybe also I've kind of changed the way that I eat. Yeah. So like, you know, I was, you know, like you read books about like kind of like children's food or whatever. And it's like, you know, little, little sausages and mash and little pies and little quiches and little things you know and I was like oh but I don't I don't really eat any of that like or lasagnas and stuff I don't really eat that kind of stuff anymore like I don't really know like I don't know what do I eat like I'm kind of like being in this place of kind of being a little bit like confused about it all and then kind of realizing like okay yeah maybe it's just like making more kind of like homely food again and so what it has done is it's actually brought me back to kind of like yeah like big pies or big stews mm. and um that kind of Jasper makes loads of really nice dolls and he's uh, Rui's mad for them. Mm. Um, but yeah, more comfort food, mm. which is good. It's good for me too, especially at this time where you're a bit kind of like, oh, you know, and like... You need to build yourself back up again. Like, we all know that in periods when we're sick, we need those soups and stews and slow yeah. foods and we need to return to that thing. And the postnatal period, I mean, it's not that four, five, six weeks. Yeah. It's like a full... I mean, I remember my midwife saying to me, like, um, I was like, when does, like, when does stuff... Like, when does body stuff, mm. but I'm not going to name it, just in case everyone's not squeamish, well, more squeamish than me. Um, like, when does stuff go back to normal? And she was like, I want to say two years. Yeah. Like, it was such a useful thing to not have the idea of, like, it's going to just all spring back in in, like, six months and everything's come back to normal. Yeah. So we had that two years. And then Chinese medicine, they say you shouldn't get pregnant again until two years has passed because your body is going through this phase for two years. Yeah. It's like the regenerating, the building back up. So if you think of it as a two-year period, then it's natural for all this time to be changing your eating habits and going back to those more basic, more comfort kind of foods mm. because we are, we're just, we need to be filled back up again. Yeah. It's a lot that you've just done. Yeah, totally. And and I think I'm, I'm still breastfeeding and so that kind of also mm. sometimes you're like, 
I'm like, okay, I'm good, I'm good. And then suddenly Rue has a big feed and you're like, I'm so hungry. Yeah. Like, right. does, what it can really, I eat? does it affect you that quick? Oh, yeah. Yeah. No, it did a lot more at the start. Now okay. now I just find that like I think because I'm back at work and before I would kind of, you know, sometimes forget to eat, which is good. I've learned yeah. there's been so many good things that I've I've learned since becoming a mum. But like yeah. one of them is that, you know, like I'd kind of work and work and work and then I'd eat. But I can't get hungry because, you know, you're feeding at the same time mm. and so if you're not putting anything in, but there's stuff it's, coming out, uh, you know, yeah, you need to, yeah. So, but at the start, you just like, you you're so hungry. Like the amount of like, food that you yeah, need to eat. Yeah, and you just need to eat like right 10 minutes ago. Yeah, like, like right then, exactly. And have you, so have you started getting like, is he, is there interesting, weirdy foods he's got into, or is there anything where you're like, yes, he um, likes it? Or is there any stuff where you're like, damn it, he doesn't like that? Like, is there any? Well, it's funny because um, when I was pregnant, I was living with Luca, who, who runs the Fumbly and stuff, you know, and. Um, he he makes the most amazing spaghetti, which is this other oh. thing that I used to never really eat, and then I've kind of started eating again because I lived with an Italian for a few years, and he just made it so good. Um, but um, when I when I was pregnant, I just won his spaghetti with tomatoes and ricotta all the time, and mm. I ate so much of it. I really eat so much tomatoes, and really? I wonder if it was like they uh, say that they so say that um, kids who whatever you ate while you were pregnant, while you were breastfeeding, and the kids are way more likely to to be into those tastes. If but then someone said something really interesting to me recently, that it's the kid that actually makes you want those foods. Oh, really? Which like is kind of... Bacteria and yeah, like yeah, it's like, you know, like, the, you know, who was it? A mum was saying it to me and she's, like, she's got grown-up kids, but she's got, one, you know, one kid that just, she ate so much fruit during the pregnancy and then another one and she was, like, really into carbs and pizzas and everything. Mm. And... and she was kind of telling a friend about it recently, and she was saying, "Oh, maybe it's not. Maybe it's not you wanting the food. Maybe it's yeah." Okay, I'm gonna go let him in because um, she's at the door. Okay, I'll, uh, I'll but um, what else? What have we covered? Well, there's so many things we've covered. I well, I'll carry on talking to Casey. Okay, great. Bye. Bye. Um, yeah, I wanted to say like on that subject, we were talking about self-care a little bit, and like how hard it is as a mum to look after yourself. Yeah. What other ways, are there foods that you're finding, that you're eating or little snacks that you make for yourself or something that you found in order to give yourself that self-care when you're really busy? Yeah, I wish I could say that there was something consistently, but um, there's been like little snippets where I'd be like, okay, I need to have some like healthy, raw, you know, healthy kind of like sweet things. And then I'd kind of, for, for like two or three weeks, I'd make them. Or then like I made a big batch of ferment and I was trying to get that into me. But there's nothing that I've kind of like consistently done. Um, um, I wish there was. Um, but it's, it's, as you say, it's really, it's really kind of tough. I think that I'm just starting in the last few weeks to kind of want a lot more kind of like healthier foods again, and I'm starting to kind of see myself exercising more and stuff. So that's mm -hmm. exciting. Yeah. Because there was a while there where it just felt like there wasn't as much time for it, or you know that kind of you get to the end of the day and you're like, ah, so maybe I won't, you know you kind of energy drained, whereas actually it's the only thing that you re do it's really funny, need, isn't it? you know? Yeah, yeah. Um, we're always like that though, it's yeah. part of the human condition that we do, we, the, the one thing that's good for us is the thing that we stop first when we most need it, like, yeah. tends to be, and we like reach for coffee, loads yeah. coffee when we're tired, reach for yeah. loads of sugar when we're really tired, we like, mm, yeah. uh, drop meditation as soon as we're stressed. Yeah. <laughs> oh, the things that you made for me actually. The, the things you sent oh. me the recipe, you know, the walnut with the, with the cacao with and the, the buckwheat. buckwheat. Oh Those are really good because that's they're really filling and they like, take the sweet tooth and they've got loads of medrill dates. Yeah. I've made those loads of times and they're yeah, really... Yeah, I'll have to link to them. They're like, um, like my, my 
if I like allowed myself to eat like my sweet of choice, it would always be chocolate biscuit cake. It's like my oh, really? thing. Really? And so I had to find a way to make a chocolate biscuit cake that wasn't quite so chocolate biscuit cake. Yeah. So it's kind of a version of that where it's cacao and dates and nuts for the biscuit part and toasted buckwheat mm. with the crunch in there. Mm. And oh my they're gosh, amazing. they're so yeah. delicious. Yeah. So we'll, we'll definitely put the link to them. It's not my recipe. I wish I could say that it was, but I didn't. Mm. <laughs> um, but we'll put the link to the recipe underneath yeah, today. Yeah, for sure, definitely. Um, so your little person, your little Baba just came back. Yeah. So we better wrap this up. Um, but Kate, thanks so much for talking to us today. Yeah. It's yeah. so nice. Such a treat. Since the beginning when we started this podcast, you've been kind of the like top of our food list. We were on there yeah. like we have to get yeah, Katie, we have to yeah. get Katie. And I think it's really nice that it's been really nice to talk about your food journey and kind of relive it with you. For me, like yeah. having been there from the beginning and seeing you grow, and it's been such an honour for me to to see you become the person that you are now Aww. and knowing you at the beginning and just yeah it's just so beautiful to see everyone seeing you the way that I've always seen you and see what an amazing person you are and see that reflected in your food and people's responses to your food so for me I just want to say thank you for being my friend. Ah, <laughs> <Nice>. <laughs> you guys. I would to see your friend Miyazaki. Oh, oh, you're going around to see everyone, aren't you? We're going to see everyone. I know. So For yeah. Mark and Sadie and Pilgrims. Well, Sadie's actually due to have a baby on the day we're going, but she okay. said Mark is going to be in the restaurant. And okay, he's going to okay. Do, I was like, okay, you really sure? She's like, oh no, he has to be there. It's like, right. I actually haven't been down. I haven't made the Pilgrim to Pilgrim Road. Pilgrim Yes, but um, I've heard such amazing stuff. That's There's that. so many amazing people in Ireland doing stuff with food at the moment. Like, so it's many. a really exciting time. It's such a list. Um, that like you know producers and restaurateurs mm. and people yeah. and it's it's amazing yeah, yeah. so yeah. I'd say it's you nice can talk to highlight, yeah there's so many people and it's nice to be able to highlight that as well because they're not there's just the top restaurants that everyone knows for sure there's all this stuff going there's this urge and this like yeah. this like yeah. a grassrootsy thing and like one of the people we're going to talk to is Roisin Allen from Ballymaloo and you obviously you train there as well and one of the amazing things like just after Myrtle died they re-screened a, a documentary about her from four years ago and it talks about like where that started. I was like 1965, she was setting up like a country house hotel, she was getting like local milk and like, like nobody was doing it, like mm, bonkers. Like yeah. bon she was right in the middle of the generation where everyone was just like buying tins of stuff and yeah. she started like a country house hotel where it was all local food. It's, it's, yeah, it's, it's yeah. wild and that, that's a really important like locus I think for Irish foods, Irish food culture and where we've managed to retain and grow from that. Like, just to know that that's where it came from because people don't know that. Yeah. yeah. It's the same like Fumbly or whatever, there are they're, they're these catalyst points that spurn it off and that's like what you do is you kind of come in and you have the catalyst moment and then you go on to your next thing and other people take it and that they run with it. And you always need those those little moments, those little tiny sparks of creativity that come in at the right moment and then yeah. push that thing forwards and then it rolls for a little bit and then it push that thing forwards again. Mm. Yeah, yeah you're allowed to score your waypoint and thank you very much for that, for all that you're doing. It's cool, it's great, it's really exciting. It's keeping me excited about food, genuinely. Yeah. So <laughs> if you want to find more about Katie, you can find her um, on Instagram. Yeah, mm -hmm. I've got a little website which I haven't updated in three years. <laughs> So your, your Instagram is Katie J. Sanderson, Yes, right? and then you also have the White Mouse. So yeah. yeah, that's Instagram. got its own website, so that's whitemousey.com. And I'm hoping to do some um, uh, recipes and stuff up on there, um, cool. and I've got some workshops coming up and stuff like that. I've got like a vegeta vegetable, something coming up with the, you know, the amazing food thing that they're doing in the Fumbly. Oh, uh, what's this? Oh, eat it. Yeah, eat it, which is on again in October, and yeah. um, so I'm doing a workshop with them then. 
Okay, amazing. That's great. We look baby. forward to it. So people can <laughs> find that on Fumbly, can they? How do yeah, they? the pro- W, I think it's the Fumblystables.ie. Okay, yeah, so we'll link to that. Yeah, yeah. Okay, Katie, yeah. thank you so much. Thanks for watching, guys. Bye-bye. So welcome back, Finn and Lydia here Hello. from Wandering Into Wellness. Um, I thought it would be interesting, since we were talking about protein powder and how that supports our muscles and helps us in our exercise, and that I would challenge Finn to a wall squat. Okay, wall, wall squat, squat off. off. So let's hope the wall squat off works because we have we got other new zest today. We have. We had a new zest. So I it's like it's like new zest in this morning. Modern day ready break. It is fuel for the muscles, and you guys can go to newzest.co.uk and you can use the code Wellness15, which is our coupon code, a very special little coupon code. So you get 15% discount of all new zest products, which we are big fans of. We don't really support uh, any other kind of companies in this sort of way. We're not supported by any of the companies in this way, but we're really really keen on new zest. And we're just such like nerdy big fans, really. Aren't we? We're big nerdy big fans. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> Yeah. We're going to spread the new this word. So we are going to do a wool squat off and see who lasts the longest. I feel like I'm at a disadvantage because I've already talked two classes today and just done a big massive exercise cycle this morning. Workout. Like, I know we did like, a workout like seven million hours ago. But anyway, and cycle twice today. It's a today. fair contest. It's <laughs> a fair contest. Let's go. So if I fail, I'm like doubly failing. This hurts. Yeah. Okay. So okay. we're going to so set the clock here. against the wall. Well, I mean, everyone will just see who fails. Really, <laughs> <then>. <laughs> Excuse me. Back, oh, backs against the wall. Slide okay. down, so your bum needs to be parallel to your knees. There okay, we there nice. we go. So Finn, yeah. whilst we're in this wall squat, oh I God. think I would challenge you to finding some interesting things to say about the letters of Newzest. So tell us some facts about Newzest, beginning with N. N is for? N is for, hmm, N is for not the protein you'd imagined. Whey protein is the obvious one, but uh, this one is a European golden pea. U. U is for ugly. Not us. We are all <laughs> we're based on the beauty of uh, of vegan protein. And ugly is is animal uh, agriculture that's intensive and intensive rearing. And this is not an ugly product. This, this is, is a product really that is like right? clean inside and out. Uh, Z. Z's an evil one, eh? Uh, Z is for mm, all the zeal you can muster out of a day. Newzest has got like a squillion health ambassadors. Top tennis players, top rugby players. Oh, Finn's slipping. Um, <laughs> uh, he's got, they've got like all the New Zealand rugby team on it, like Mananu and all these sorts of amazing guys. And that is because it makes you perform. It's not because they're paid by it. They literally don't get paid anything by New Zealand. No, that's super cool, isn't it? Mm. E. E is for goddamn ethics. Ethics, ethics in a company. So um, when Newzest approached Dr. Robert Verkirk of the Lions for Natural Health. Uh, three years ago to produce a, 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 a multivitamin, he said, no, because you'll make me compromise on my ethics, you'll make me compromise on my standards. Mm. And so they said, uh, okay, well, what if we don't make you compromise? He said, like, okay, well, give it a shot. And so he gave it one shot, and they have a product called Good Green Stuff, which is what Robert Kirk says is the ultimate in terms of nutritional everyday needs for 99% of, of all the audience. Go on. S. S. S is for sweating. Uh, if you're a fan of sweating, then use this helps your muscles recover big time. So you've got leucine, arginine, valine, isoleucine, all the ones that are really key amino acids for growth hormone. T. T is for teetering on the brink of failure. <laughs> but yet, luckily, we took our news lessons and we're just about... We're just going to make it through. Yay! Yay, we Let's see. Oh, like, we haven't, we haven't failed yet. No. How much longer do you reckon you've got? I'm kind of, I'm reaching, we're shaking. I'm reaching, shaking as well. I'm yeah. like, where is it hurting most? Uh, quads. Yeah, but where are the quads? The front of them? The uh, middle of them? Yeah, it did. I was burning more than shaking, though. So bad. Oh. 
Um, so we've already finished. Okay. <laughs> One of us so has to fail. Remember our, our code. Holy oh. holy. Remember our code. Wellness 15. Wellness 15. Use our code at UK. Go. Best of luck. Oh. Ah! <laughs> I win. Yay. <laughs>